0: Oh, oh shine upon the darkness O oh, word of truth shine bright Abide with me forever Your
1: law is mighty delight. Hey everyone and welcome to Theana Money where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Money. This week, I have a great interview planned for you all. It is uh, on the Dorian Principle with Conley Owens. He is the author of the book by the same title, The Dorian Principle. And I first heard about this uh, not too long ago from a video that he did with ad robles back in october of last year i believe and so yeah listen to the interview it's really great it's definitely some things for us to think about i don't want to say too much because you're going to hear all about it in the interview that's about to start as soon as this cut and ends so hope you all listen to the whole thing and that you enjoy it give me your feedback on it comment on the social media posts and do all sorts of that type of stuff share this episode with your friends help get the message out there that way we can try to have a fully orbed biblical worldview of economics and even if you think that the dorian principle is wrong then let's discuss it let's debate it if there are issues with anything from scripture then we want to make sure we are being in accord with scripture with everything so if you disagree then let's talk about it comment on the social media posts and may it all be to God's glory. So here's the interview. All right, everyone. So I am here with Conley Owens. He is the author of a book called The Dorian Principle. I actually first discovered him probably less than six months ago when he was on A.D. Robles' YouTube channel. So some of y'all may be familiar with him from that. But uh, I will give On page 104 of his book, he gives this summary of the principle the book is about. So I'll read that and then let him introduce himself. It says, in the context of gospel proclamation, accepting support as anything other than an act of co-labor compromises the sincerity of ministry. So I'll let Connolly introduce himself and then we will start unpacking what that means.
0: Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name's Conley Owens. I'm a software engineer here in Silicon Valley. Also a pastor at Silicon Valley Reformed Baptist Church, and yeah, I'm the husband of one wife and the father of seven kids. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a little about who I am.
1: Cool. How long have you been a pastor?
0: I've been a pastor uh, officially for um, uh, I guess uh, like two years and change. And, uh, yeah, 2020 was a crazy first year to be a pastor,
1: <laughs> especially uh, in, uh, Ca- in California where your church yes. is.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, e- especially in this County, this County was rougher than a lot of the others. I mean, there were two months where it was illegal to sing outdoors, even with masks on and, you know, even in a group as small as two, like it was, uh, it- it's been really difficult here trying to navigate all that.
1: Wow. No, I think just about everyone in the country, or at least every Christian in the country has heard about everything with John MacArthur. Has that seemed to help the situation at all? Did he seem to pave a way for you?
0: Not, not really. I mean, we were, uh, so he decided to make his changes quite a bit after we had decided ours. So that's, that's one factor. Um, And then another is that uh, a lot of that was very specific to LA County and the restrictions we were under are different and yeah, just different counties, different issues. Cause a lot of it, a lot of it wasn't at the California level. Like a lot of people didn't realize that they would talk about these things that California was doing. And a lot of it, California wasn't doing, it was all the individual counties doing these things. So it was, uh, yeah, that was difficult to navigate.
1: Okay. So I'm sure LA County, Orange County, places like that were some of the worst for it.
0: Uh, yeah, but not, uh, Maybe I'm biased, but it felt like it was worse up here. <laughs> okay. What county are you yeah. in? Uh, so I'm in Santa Clara County. So okay. the, the Bay Area counties around here, they were the first to announce a lockdown out of all the, to my knowledge, out of all the counties in the U.S. Wow.
1: Yeah. My parents still live where I grew up in Wayne County, which is the county where Detroit is in Michigan. So they had it pretty rough too, although I'm sure not half as bad as you had it.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a wild world we live in. Um yeah, so all the more reason, you know, and and with the theme of your podcast, all the more reason to really be considering what God's word has mm-hmm. to say about government. I'm I've been trying to study the matter. I haven't come to all the conclusions I'd like to come to, but um, I've been trying to study the matter since 2016. I think that's when a, a, several people woke up and realized, uh, you know, I can't just vote for the guy because he's red. You know, every every year I gotta like think through this a little, and so I've been uh been contemplating. Uh, what the Bible says about politics since then and was really glad to have a leg up when 2020 came around because it, it really helped us figure out uh, how we were going to approach this. Cause we'd, uh, we'd met the first week of lockdown. We did not uh, We did end up um, as things ramped up very quickly after that. And it wasn't clear like how dangerous it was going to be. We did uh, cease to meet for for a few weeks, but we made it clear from the beginning that we'd be making our own choices, even if we'd try to respect what experts were saying about it. So that was, that was good to be able to have that on hand uh, and not have to, you know, figure out what a biblical view of government was, you know, just on the spot.
1: Yeah, that's good. And does that relate a little bit to you writing the book as you're thinking through politics more? You said starting in 2016, that kind of coincided maybe with the ideas of the book?
0: It does. Um, yeah, I try to, I really try to keep the ethic uh, isolated to just what, uh, Gia says about money and what Paul says about money, but there is a, a reinforcing factor that I expose, I go ahead and disclose in Appendix C, <laughs> which is, uh, some of my views on, on, uh, government. Cause a lot of what I end up saying, uh, really crescendos in chapters 13 and 14 when I address copyright. And in there, um, Yeah, I have this additional reason which I figured I should disclose, which I did in in an appendix. But um, yeah, I don't think that uh, I do think there's a lot of reason to reconsider whether or not intellectual property should be regarded as actual property. That's a that's a light way of saying it.
1: (laughs) I think the way you really laid all that out, the way you're built built off like that too, was good. Are you talking about like the different chapters you put things in in the appendix? Because at first you're more just talking about jesus and the sermon on the mount and then sending out the disciples and all of that and then you expand to paul and then you expand to the old testament and some of the other epistles not just paul's epistles and then you move into church history and then after that you get practical i thought that was a very wise way to structure it all
0: yeah thanks that's uh that's not the way i went about it my thesis The Jesus' words, they show up in like a subsection of some chapter uh, later on in the book. Then I realized, like after I'd written that, I was like, that needs to go. That needs to go right up front. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting uh, going about the process of trying to figure out what was the Bible teaching. Um, And so, yeah, the way I the way I. Feel like I studied and discovered this is probably almost inverted the way I present it now. Because, you know, it's sort of like this, uh, I've heard it described as the post-scientific method or uh, something like that, where these days we have so much data that, uh, you know, we, we collect the data before forming a hypothesis. Because usually with a scientific method, you, you form a hypothesis, you, you design an experiment, you test the hypothesis. But these days we have so much data that the experiment part comes first where you collect the data and then after that you form a hypothesis. So I feel like I did that and then I came back and presented the book as though, you know, I have this hypothesis and and uh and then we tested against scripture.
1: Yeah. Now I think I'm being a bad podcast host here because I haven't We've been talking about the book and I haven't even asked you to share a good explanation of it. So why don't we do that real quick? No worries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so Dorian is the Greek adverb that means freely. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, freely you receive, freely give. So it's a book about how uh, ministry ought to be given freely. And uh, yet at the same time, the Bible is very clear, even in the next verses in Matthew 10, nine and 10, it says that a worker is worthy of his food. It's very clear that ministers ought to be supported. So here you have these these statements that sound absolutely contradictory, right? That that uh, ministry ought to be offered freely, it should be without pay. And then the next verse says, well, it should be with pay. Well, which one is it? And the answer is the way the way to resolve these is to recognize that GSA is saying that the ministry ought not to be exchanged for money or for anything. Yet at the same time, uh, co-laborers are to come around and to support this person, You know, uh, a worthy household or um, uh, I believe is the the phrase Luke uses. And then in Matthew, uh, son of peace. Sorry, I think I got those backwards actually. Uh, I think in Luke, it's the son of peace. So yeah, it's the difference between being supported by customers versus co-laborers. Yeah,
1: I think that's good. So maybe one way to phrase it would be we shouldn't, let the free market apply to gospel ministry although you're not a socialist so we should still let the free market right. <laughs> apply normally in the other areas
0: right yeah absolutely so yeah when we are when we are ministers like what what ministry means and i i i wish i were more prepared to give you like a, a an etymological understanding of ministry but you know minister and magistrate are like these these opposite terms where one is over and one is under and as we are ministers we are we are ministers under God. We are his employees and he is the employer. And so we're not free agents that get to set the prices on things, right? We, we are servants that do as we're commanded to do. And we let him determine, you know, what prices he's going to put on the goods in his store. Right. And he has declared that the milk, the wine will be offered without money and without price, Isaiah Mm -hmm. 55.1. And so uh, that's what Paul essentially says in first Corinthians nine, that if he were to take money, he would be a free agent, you know, operating Mm -hmm. on his own.
1: Yeah. And you do a good job going through different things with uh, like Paul and Elijah and Elisha and other stuff and show how the Dorian principle gives us a framework to understand why at some points they reject monetary compensation and at other points they accept it. And you really uh, challenged some understanding I've had of a few of those passages as to the reason why for things. So I think this is a book that I would need to periodically return to just to refresh my memory on understanding these passages in a better way than the way i maybe have for most of my knowledge of them
0: oh that's great that's awesome yeah it's it's interesting as you read a lot of the literature that's been written about this and people have come to uh other conclusions um you know conclusions honestly that are, are coming from a starting place that this isn't that this isn't necessarily something we need to adopt i feel like what led me to a different place than a lot of people was recognizing that the only reason why the holy spirit would inspire so many passages on this is because it is something we're supposed to adopt. There's an apostolic pattern that, that we're supposed to be following. And so that's uh yeah it led me to a place where this is this is not just something that was you know social and contemporary of their time but uh but something that applies to us as well. Anyway, one of the one of the conclusions a lot of people come to is that whether or not Paul receives or doesn't receive from a church is based on uh, kind of their their status or maturity or kind of his uh, you know, he has this personal quirk that he applies to his ministry that doesn't necessarily apply to the other apostles. And uh you see interesting things like with Lydia, where she's he's sort of hesitant to receive her money, it seems that way, or not her money, but her hospitality. And, you know, people people really struggle to answer that one. Well, what's he doing? Why does he hesitate? And then why does he receive if he doesn't usually receive from someone the, the second he shows up somewhere? Well, it seems pretty plain to me in the in the dichotomy I've set up between um, reciprocity and co-labor. And I say I set up, but I really think that's it's pretty straightforward with, from Matthew 10 and the dichotomy I already presented that Jesus sets up is that uh, Lydia who has been identified as a worshiper of God, and she's this new convert. Uh, yes, Paul hesitates because he's trying to he's uh, establishing that she's not just paying him back for this ministry, but she does indeed desire to serve the Lord. And she she says, "If you have deemed me worthy," essentially saying, "You know, I am a I am a servant of the Lord as well. I would like to do this for him, not not in exchange for what you have done for me, not as a, a customer once again, but as a co-laborer."
1: Yeah. And you use those terms, reciprocity and co-labor. Those are terms used probably about every other page in your book. So if any of the listeners haven't read the book or didn't listen to the interviews you've done with AD or anyone else, basically you define it as reciprocity would be someone performs gospel ministry to someone, evangelism, uh, counseling, discipleship, stuff like that. Reciprocity would be that person pays them for that service. Whereas co-labor would be that they are, that person is coming alongside them and partnering with them in the ministry. So for the case of Paul, it would be if Paul goes to someone and, you know, by God's power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, divinely heals them of an ailment, reciprocity would be them trying to give Paul money as a thank you for the healing. Co-labor would be them saying, you know, I'm giving Paul money to send Paul off to the next city and do similar ministry there.
0: Right, Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those terms reciprocity and co-labor, you're right. They are all throughout the book. Uh, Once again, you know, very inverted from how I went about studying this because I didn't I didn't really come to those conclusions that those were the best words to use until like pretty late in the game. And then I went back and put those words in everywhere (laughs) and tried to really centralize it around that. But -hmm. yeah, I I do believe that's what it comes down to. That's the best way of capturing it. And reciprocity is an interesting term, too, because it it doesn't. there's no particular connotation with reciprocity as to whether or not it's a symmetric exchange or an asymmetric exchange, so you know it's still reciprocity if someone gives back a penny, right? It's still reciprocity if they give uh, either whether it's more than what they received or or less than what they received. So it's really anything offered in exchange is is forbidden.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like how in the book I mentioned the structure before. You kind of first start with the theory and then you get into how it works in practice. And you gave a little analogy with that. A lot of your chapters start with analogies to make it interesting and help it be easy to understand, which is good. And so it'd probably be good for our listeners that we talk a little bit about different ways that works out. Maybe one, especially for pastors who are listening, would be their wages as a pastor. I know you address that in the book. So maybe help anyone starting to feel like maybe they're doing something wrong by accepting a salary as a pastor and help them understand this in light of the Dorian principle.
0: Sure. Yeah. So one of the so, you know, when I went about this originally, the idea was to call people to repentance and reformation about about wrongly charging. But uh, as I spoke to some people who struggle with this in their conscience because they see the verses talking about these things, I've realized one of the benefits of this book too is it it really frees people to receive and co labor fully, who otherwise, you know, have been restricted in what they thought they were allowed to receive. So, yeah, a, a church, you know, a, a gathering of people gathered together to make sure the gospel is proclaimed. Someone from the congregation ought to be devoting their their uh, life to the ministry of the word and to prayer, Acts 6-4. And so the only way that they're going to be capable of doing that is is if others come alongside them and work with them. And uh, this is what you see uh, with Paul, you know, there's some times where he has to labor by his own hands and he'll even list that in the list of the hardships he had to deal with to advance the gospel. And, uh, but other people were able to support him so that he didn't have to do that. You see that in Acts 18, when he starts ministering full-time, when people from Macedonia show up, uh, presumably they had come with funds. That's what most people hypothesize. And it seems very reasonable to me.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. And then you talk about other things too, like seminaries and books. And you seem to appeal more to an idea like crowdfunding, which would be more in line with the Dorian principle than the traditional way seminaries and book sales and things like that are done. Right.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, the the typical church life, you know, where uh, you've got a preacher, you've got people giving weekly, you know, all these things are things that fit perfectly with the biblical model of co-labor. Then when you get into uh, things outside of that, where, uh, you know, like you said, seminaries, books, conferences, and you uh, start engaging in these more, um, I don't want to say outward, a lot of times these are done by parachurch ministries where they don't have a standard income stream. And so they get very creative with how they're going to get money and they end up selling things. They end up selling the ministry. And yes, that, that is where it becomes a reciprocity. So yeah, I think every pastor should be supported very well. Probably more than they currently are. However, uh, when it comes to these kinds of ministries that often get sold, once again, I think those people should be supported, but it should not be by selling those things. It should be by people coming together and supporting them, uh, whether that be, as you mentioned, you know, crowdfunding or whether it just be churches working together to pool their resources
1: yeah, you mentioned like um churches could have a theologian in residence, and his job is just to write theology books that way he can give them away for free and not need to sell them to make his living off of it,
0: right. That's certainly one option. Um yeah, and if one church, you know can't fund certain things and you know you work together with multiple churches mm-hmm. there's there's all kinds of options. A lot of people hear this, and they they feel like this would be, you know, almost impossible to do. Well, certainly, it would take a lot of changes if we're talking about changing something that already exists and you could do that step by step but really you know if there's already a demand for something and there's already money changing ha- hands to make it happen if it's really good work and the people of god will recognize it as a good work you know there's already money flowing into the church to make good work happen so you know it should all be should all be there you just have to uh, make sure it's being redirected in the right form
1: yeah um the bible college that i graduated from they several decades ago, it used to be completely for free. You only had to pay for room and board because so many of the churches in the fellowship supported them so much. And I think in the years since giving's gone down and college expenses have gone up, especially now that the college I graduated from is accredited by some of the like highest tier accreditation agencies in the country, which is an entire different discussion about accreditation agencies and shows and cons of them (laughs) yeah but back in the day in like the 70s and 80s when they were free other than room and board is kind of getting at your idea in the dorian principle that churches supported this college so that way they could give free bible training to people wanting to be pastors and missionaries
0: right yeah that's awesome yeah and i i get asked this question about bible colleges occasionally i should um I should figure out what a Bible college is more because I always imagine it being uh, largely just a secular degree with like one extra Bible class. thrown on. But maybe it's more than that. <laughs> but honestly, like if if uh, yeah, if that's what we're talking about, I, I wouldn't necessarily be have be opposed to, you know, a college charging for um, that sort of education. However, if the main thing that's being provided is a religious education, then it ought to be um, ought to be given freely.
1: Yeah. Um. When I hear Bible college, maybe other people think differently. I normally just think of like the undergrad version of seminary. So seminary would be like the okay. master's and doctorate programs and Bible Got college it. is the undergrad. Got it. But yeah. Um, a lot of interesting things. Um, so you mentioned specifically, maybe like Kickstarter and Patreon would be ways that someone could fund a book or conference or things like that. So maybe give a few examples of what you think that could look like.
0: Sure. So uh, yeah, one of the problems with the way things are done is people uh, create, you know, this product, this book, whatever it is, and then after the fact, they want to be paid for it for Mm -hmm. the work. And really, if things were funded ahead of time, uh, the whole problem of how to get money would be avoided. And so Mm -hmm. you'd have uh, willing supporters, uh, you know, either use Kickstarter, Patreon, any one of these crowdfunding services to fund it. So it's very simple. The only the only Real catches that a lot of these uh, tools recommend that you um, use different perks, and at that point, you know, once you start selling things, you start, especially if it's you're selling teaching, right? Like, oh, you get this extra VIP pass, and you get a backstage pass to my YouTube channel, where you get the extra teaching. You know, <laughs> those are things where you start engaging in reciprocity once again. But yeah, I think uh, crowdfunding, crowdfunding services are a, a great way to accomplish a lot of these things. So do you
1: think, um, like, I've been considering whether or not I should support, start Patreon do for Theana money. Do you think I should not do any perks at all for if I were to do that? Or should I maybe be really careful with what I allow? That's
0: the, so that's a really good question. I do do think there's definitely a distinction to be made between um, teaching and like swag. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, the, the telos, telos meaning purpose or end, of Mm -hmm. the Dorian principle is, is sincerity. I really think this is the heart of Paul's motivations is to make sure that you don't have any kind of ulterior motives. And once you start, um, once you start selling anything, you're exposing an ulterior motive. So I really think that uh, such things should be isolated from, uh, from ministry. So for example, Let's see. There's several ways of doing it. There's services where you can uh, put your design up, and then when someone pays for pays for the shirt, basically it's this it's a secular company, you know, printing out the design and everything, and they're buying the shirt from the secular company. In which case, there's no problem there because it's not you they're purchasing something from. Or um, uh, another option would be to um, let's see. I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought here. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that in general, ministry should be selling things. They should be trying to divorce themselves from that. Oh, I guess my other thought was, really, it's not that expensive to to create swag and uh, give it away. So, you know, if you want to promote uh, this teaching, really, is it is it so expensive to have co-laborers fund it and then you know distribute the the thing that will promote it?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, and that can just get back to like theologians and residents at churches and stuff like that instead of having to buy commentaries for like $60 each what if some of the churches can afford to just pay these guys to their main job was just to write commentaries and stuff like that
0: right yeah exactly
1: yeah um one example I was thinking I was I've been talking of someone who kind of and some elements shows the Dorian principle and other elements doesn't would be John MacArthur's books because he sells his books but also grace to you Will oftentimes mail out, like I've been on their newsletter, they can they'll mail you out stuff and say, Hey, mail this back to us. It'd be great if you gave us a donation when you mailed it back to us, but you don't. And if you just mail it back to us, we'll send you this book or DVD that he made for free. So I think on the one side, it kind of shows the Dorian principle because they're saying, like, help us continue giving this stuff for free by supporting us. But even if you don't give us anything, we'll still give you this book, but then also he still sells his book. So it's kind of like a positive right. and negative at the same time.
0: Right. And, and depending on how you, how you structure that, like if you say suggested donation, Oh, here, you got this thing, suggested donation, $20, like roughly the value of what this book would be. You, you can suggest like a very reciprocal, uh, reciprocal giving, even if that's not your intent. So, uh, yeah, a lot of what this ethic is about is what are the words and gestures of fundraising to make it sure that we are acknowledging that the Lord is the one who people are obligated to. And he is the source of the gospel and not us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you really want to be careful about that. And then secondly, yes, it is the case that, uh, that MacArthur receives a lot of money from his, (laughs) from his books. That's, that's another thing is a lot of, there are people who receive money from their books. Um, but then give it all away. Well, Mm -hmm. you're still, you're still engaging in reciprocity there and there's still the question of sincerity. Certainly there's more sincerity of the one who gives it away, but they're obviously redirecting those funds to something that they, uh, they approve of, they want. Uh, so it's not, um, they're still using it and, uh, they're still, uh, you know, taking ownership over it and yeah, there's definitely sincerity lost in the process.
1: Um, I have a question with parachurch ministries. So you talk about them in the book, you talk about more parachurch ministries like publishers and that gets into what we've already talked about with books. What do you think of parachurch ministries that are like providing services to people for free or reduced costs by asking donors to do it, like give them the money to do it? Like here where I live, there's a Christian, uh, uh, like homeless shelter type thing. They give free meals and Bible, do Bible studies with homeless and stuff like that. So it's actually got like an almost hundred year history of of providing free shelter and stuff like that to the homeless. And so they don't really give anything in exchange for the donations. They just ask people to donate to them so they can provide free meals and shelter and Bible lessons to homeless people.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds exactly like what I'm advocating for. Uh, I do uh, express in chapter 12, where I talk about parachurch ministries, some of the other aspects of uh, what the local church provides that you don't necessarily have in parachurch ministries. There's definitely a a level of accountability. I think that's important with, uh, with church. However, um, yeah, just regarding the Dorian principle, I think that's perfect.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that gets back to what I would see as ideal is that every parachurch ministry is under the authority of a particular or a group of local churches. And then you would have a lot of the issues there resolved.
0: right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, someone could press this to such a degree where it becomes, uh, kind of unreasonable because, you know, every, every person running, you know, a podcast, like, I I don't know if you're doing this under the auspices of your church, but you could possibly even call your podcast, a, a parachurch church ministry because it's, you know, uh, something you're doing without stamping your church label on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yeah, we have to be free to, share the gospel with our friend without, you know, <laughs> like holding up like trademark my church or whatever. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, hopefully as individuals, we remain accountable to local church. And then as we, uh, gather with other Christians who aren't part of our church and, and accomplish things. Yeah. Hopefully we can still sit, stay, uh, accountable to local churches and that should be reflected in organizational structures.
1: Yeah. So the original idea for this podcast actually came from my pastor because he said, I think something along this line would be a good idea and you're the guy I know who could probably do it the best.
0: Well, explain that. I'm missing it. Oh,
1: so uh, basically um, the idea for of Money, the, the name is... Oh, oh I, never, I get it. Yeah, yeah. not awesome. this
0: episode yeah. of the podcast, the podcast. Yeah, the, whole, the podcast itself. Yeah. Got it. Got
1: it. Yeah. Like a year and a half ago, my pastor was like, hey, Jeremy, we need... a." like some of the different ministries the church is doing He's like, I think a podcast on economics would be a good thing to add to the ministries that the church is doing. Oh, cool. And you should do that. And that's nice. kind of how so it this started.
0: is. So this is available on your church website then.
1: Uh, I think we're redoing the church website right now. Oh, sure. So sure. I need to ask him about how that's all going. Cause he's been sick. So it's not going as fast as he yeah. thought it would. So, <laughs> but, but it would be something that.
0: on your church website. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's
1: cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, there was something I was just thinking that I wanted to ask you a couple minutes ago, and now I'm drawing a blank on what it was. <laughs> um, no worries. So um, was there anything else you normally discuss when people ask you about the uh, principle? Yeah, there's,
0: I mean, there's all kinds of things <laughs> that, uh, that usually come up. People have all kinds of questions. Uh, yeah. Something I've been thinking about lately is just what the, what the future could look like if people really embrace this. I think there's just a really, um <laughs> You know, I'm not. I, I don't necessarily share uh, post millennial uh, eschatological views, but I think there's just this really hopeful future that awaits if uh, if people embrace this. Um, and uh, yeah, if ministry were funded not so much by reciprocity but by co labor, there's just a great joy to be had in Christians investing and praying for people and holding people accountable. You would see um, many of the. Um, the hirelings you know those who are just working for hire you would see many of them disappear yeah the the data that would be available um you know if if it weren't the case that each resource were locked away you know the ability for people to do uh research and you know one might argue oh well you can already search things you know to do research and even across material that you don't uh you don't have a license to yet uh, yeah but you can't necessarily search it in the ways that i'm imagining where you you know do real like, um, uh, you know, real analysis of these things, you know, where you would have to actually have the full text of the, of the packages. There's just all kinds of, uh, just things that could come from people really embracing this. And if you consider, uh, you know, what is the likelihood that people will embrace this? I'm, I'm very hopeful regarding that because, uh, if you consider the incident with Jesus in the fig tree and the uh, cleansing of the temple, those happen right next to each other. And I believe it's in the gospel of Mark where the cleansing of the temple uh, happens in the middle of the, the incident with the fig tree and its interpretation. So Jesus goes and he curses a fig tree. It's out of season. It's not giving fruit. And uh, then he goes in the temple cleanses the temple. You know, he flips all the tables, etc. Mm-hmm. And then he, he comes out and he, and he explains the, the fig tree that, you know, if you, if you pray and you have faith and even this mountain can be moved into the sea and the, the conjunction of those together uh, it really it really means something. you know here as we look at this this problem of corruption, money and ministry, you know can that can that really be solved? And I think Jesus is answering it with the fig tree. you see something where the, the fruit isn't right, it's not what it should be. Um, you know the power of prayer can really can really correct this situation.
1: Yeah, I remember I was thinking a couple minutes ago that um, after listening to you with AD, I think it was back in October last year. There's, um, I haven't done too much yet, but a book I've been working on, call, I'm calling it a gospel for war. It'll be three parts. The first part is what people refer to as the bad news of the gospel, that because of our sin, we're under God's wrath. The second part is God's forgiveness in the gospel. And then the third part is what the gospel does in the world. So the couple of chapters on sanctification and then confronting different societal issues and things like that. And after listening to your interview with A.D. Robles, I want to say that once I have that book done, I want to give it away for free based on the awesome. Dorian principle. So <laughs> awesome. thinking through what that'll look like, if I'll maybe see if my pastor would put a PDF link to it on the church website or just tell people to email me and I'll email the PDF back to them or what exactly it'll look like. I uh, have a printed out copy of your book where I downloaded the PDF and printed it out myself next to me. Oh, nice.
0: Did you, mm. do you realize you can get a paperback copy from the website?
1: Yeah, I realized that, but I didn't want to like cost you the money of uh, printing oh. it out and mailing it to me. So I just downloaded the PDF and printed it out.
0: Oh no, worries. I mean, we do them in bulk. It was probably cheaper for us to get it to you than <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, we print them in bulk, and then the the publisher is covering the, the funding. Um, yeah and i'd encourage everyone to uh once you get a copy you know share one with your pastor or uh uh the publisher if you if you ordered more than one copy they won't necessarily fulfill it very quickly but if you order them uh uh in increments of one month (laughs) they will uh it so yeah get an extra one and uh yeah and share it with someone
1: okay um maybe offline then you and i should connect and talk about that publisher for when my book is done to see if sure. I can get people yeah, physical copies good. and not just- Yeah,
0: uh, yeah first love publications under the, uh, yeah, firstloveministries.org is the the larger group that does a whole bunch of things. And yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of churches that work together to accomplish these things. And they've been doing it this way since 2006. They've been operating with these convictions, but not having them necessarily articulated it. And so, uh, yeah, when they saw them articulated in a book, they really wanted to, to help get this out.
1: That's cool. So basically you wrote the book to give an analysis of what they were already doing.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I hadn't really considered what they were doing. I, I was aware of them. Our church has some relationship with them, but I I hadn't considered uh, specifically their practices, but um, and they had convictions, but not necessarily any kind of, you know, uh, uh, detailed theological analysis of those convictions. Mm-hmm. So putting those two together, uh, yeah, it's a uh, peanut butter and jelly or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really great, and I really like these principles. I, I have to admit, if I had if it hadn't been for hearing you with A.D. Robles the first time, I probably would have been a lot more skeptical at first. But just the name A.D. <laughs> Robles made me a bit more
0: trusting. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, uh, I've got quite a number. So I've got like four endorsements on the back of the book, and in the interior book, I think I have twenty, um, which. That was probably excessive. I I started off thinking that anybody would like this, so I emailed way more people than I probably should have <laughs> because I figured I'd get rejected a lot. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I had uh, a lot of people I really respect on the on there. But I was surprised at just how many people had no idea who most of those were, but they knew who AD was. <laughs> I was, uh,
1: yeah. Sorry, I mostly only knew who AD and Jim Newheiser are.
0: Okay. Nice. I know Jim yeah.
1: Neuheiser from ACBC. So yeah, I minored in biblical oh.
0: counseling. Oh, nice. Awesome. And awesome. to anyone yeah, not familiar, i oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. He's a pastor in my association.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, to anyone listening that's not familiar, I said ACBC, not ACDC. ACBC <laughs> stands for association of certified biblical counselors.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's actually, that's actually probably something worth pointing out too. You have people like uh, Jim and others who, who, uh, Aren't exactly practicing what I'm advocating who have been willing to endorse us. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that illustrates some of the spirit with which I'm saying these things is that um I am calling people to repentance and reformation, but yeah, I, I understand that not everybody has had a chance to think through these things. And I, I think we can, you know, talk about it, work through it together. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully there will be some changes.
1: Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. I know AD talked about how before he was selling his book, I bought a copy of it before he did the interview with you and he decided he was going to give it away because he was convinced by your principles.
0: Right. Yeah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really exciting to see.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've probably been going about 30 or 40 minutes now. Is there anything else you want to say before we just start saying the same things multiple times?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah. If you're on Facebook, uh, we've got a, a discussion group called Money and Ministry. Um, yeah I'd really love it if a lot of people would join that yeah and then the book is at the dorian is spelled d-o-r-e-a-n
1: yeah so you can go there you can download a pdf like he mentioned you can uh, get a physical copy of the book mailed to you and uh, apparently it's really cheap for them to make it so don't think you're saving them a bunch of money by printing it yourself like I did (laughs) (laughs) but um Yeah. uh, So any last things you wanted to say or was that? No.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate Mm
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. um, Do you have a website for your church you'd want to direct people to or anything like that?
0: Yeah, definitely. SVRBC.org. If you're in the South San Francisco Bay area, which is Silicon Valley, uh, please join us for worship. Yeah. Silicon Valley Reformed Baptist Church.
1: Right. And then... um You mentioned the organization or fellowship or whatever it was you called it that your church is a part of. What's that Oh yeah,
0: FIRE, uh, the Fellowship of Independent Reformed Evangelicals. Oh yeah,
1: I'm very familiar with FIRE. I like FIRE to know that you're a part of them.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yep, Yeah, I know a couple of FIRE churches in Indiana and Ohio.
0: Cool, awesome.
1: Yep, great. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about your ideas you've laid out in this book. I recommend everyone download a copy and read it.
0: Yeah, I hope they find that they're not just my ideas, but the ideas of Scripture.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you talk about that as you're going through Scripture and church history throughout the book, and even in the Reformation, you talk about how these things were lost for like hundreds of years and started to be recaptured by Martin Luther, but he didn't go all the way, and that it's just continuing on. Right. Yep. So, yeah, great. Thanks for listening, everyone, and hope you all have a good rest of your day. So that was the interview. With Conley Owens, I hope you all like what we talked about. That you found it interesting, even enjoyable. And so, with that, stay tuned for more episodes to come in the future. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in Light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace. More than
0: precious, gold. Your law is sweet and it satisfies my soul. It revives me and says.